Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. You can join us live each morning at 9 a.m. on all the various streaming platforms, um, or you can watch or listen later in the day as, uh, you're, uh, as you have opportunity, rather on replay on those video platforms or as a podcast in your favorite podcast player. All right. Some of us are uh, visual learners. Some are auditory. There's not a lot of visual here for you, but uh, uh, hopefully, well, as the scripture teaches, you are auditory learners because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. And how can they hear unless they have a preacher? So I'm here for you today for that, for that benefit and for that purpose. Uh, this week we'll be continuing in the Exodus and its various, um, well, historic notes. Uh, we're going to be in Numbers here this week and, and starting next week as well. So, continue our work our way through the book of Numbers. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our psalm this week is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord, or he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. That is mockery. All right, the children asked about that this morning. What does derision mean? Good question. Scornful contempt or mockery over their, um, well, the, <laughs> the idea that you could overthrow um, the anointed one of the Lord. Right, he is going to set his king on on Zion, his holy hill, even despite us. Of course, that's referring to Christ, uh, who rules now as Lord of Lords, King of Kings in our hearts. All right, a memory verse this week, and this will be helpful for our catechism for the week. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke 12, verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke 12, verse 15. Commandments, ninth commandment. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house, or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. 10. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. All right. So um, I asked the children, what does this uh, refer to? I asked my children last night, for example, and they're like, well, greed and jealousy. And I think, I think they're right. Greed, referring to uh, desiring that which belongs to our neighbor, which leads to stealing, of course, and worse. Um, and jealousy, and desiring those who belong to our neighbor, uh, whether it be spouse or workers or animals. And that jealousy is uh, also, in turn, well, if it's their spouse, to adultery, um, otherwise, uh, other kinds of theft, I suppose. You'll note here, I had this thought driving uh, into church this morning that um, it is it is Christian, faithful Christian scholars, uh, and also Jewish scholars, those who know the commands, that seem to do the best job in both evaluating, critiquing, and then suggesting a better way forward when it comes to the civil estate, how we govern ourselves as a society. And I think it's the reason here is that is that God actually cares a great deal about um, that love for neighbor be be exercised, as we heard yesterday in church. This is why he orders and structures our day and our week around the Sabbath, so that we um, have time uh, to pray and hear and to confess God's word together as a Christian community, which benefits not, it's not so much, well, it is for the benefit of individual faith, but it is also for the corporate benefit that we build one another up in love, right? So there he structures the week, he structures the home, he, um, and he structures, we would suggest he also is, is at work structuring civil society through us um, for the benefit of love for neighbors. So that includes things like um, our political arrangements, our, our sense of commerce, um, the kind of monies that we use, these sorts of things, all right? Um, and even here you have uh, a structuring of, of the heart um, in love, re, or reorienting the heart in love, not desiring what belongs to our neighbor, be it his possessions, um, his workers, his business, these sorts of things, um, that we also actually seek to benefit and promote one another in our, in our enterprise. All right? Um, human, or human flourishing should be a common goal, but it seems to be uh, relegated to those um, at the lowest estates, right? And I think that makes sense because having little, there is a, a natural humility there. But when when one has much, then it's easy to become prideful or boastful. We heard about that with the proverb yesterday, Proverbs twenty five. And then um, to have our orientation get shifted away from what is uh, most lovely for the neighbor, as structured here by the commands, um, but instead structure things for other goals outside of God's word. Um, you might call those um, globalist agendas and these sorts of things, right? Um, where, where absolutely absurd claims will be made um, about, um, you know, not all life is worth living. So to, to kill the unborn, to kill um, those who are infirm or um, disabled, those, and then of course the elderly, whose lives are no longer worth living in their estimation. Um, and they do it more subtly than just coming out and straight saying that, you know, straight, saying that straight up. Um, but instead, they would encourage you to consider uh, whether your life is worth living so that you can take action, right? And we'll provide means for you. This is legal in Canada, for example. I think something like 20,000 
uh, assisted suicides last year and rising. All right. Um, so they do not structure things according to God's command, but rather there in particular um, through this kind of mm, passive aggressive version of murder is what I would call it. I don't know what else to call it, right? Um, but also taking one's property, um, destroying the, the estates that God has established for the benefit of society, like uh, marriage and family, etc. Right. So God is orienting um, all society. And it seems that um, the Christian commentators, um, and also I think the Jewish commentators, maybe some Islam too, um, because we, we have at least uh, the commands in common, um, do seem to have more of the right idea. Although I think Lutherans in particular, with Luther's explanation here in the uh, Small and Large Catechism, um, are actually best adept to, um, to governing civil society in a way that actually is both practical and um, for the benefit of faith. You know, so theologically sound as well. But uh, uh, that seems like it should be an article or something, but uh, I'll have to leave it there. Our first reading today uh, is continuation from the book of Hebrews, now chapter 10. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. All right, so this is picking up on the argument that we heard last week. Um, that Christ is the once and for all sacrifice. And if there is remission for sins, then there's no longer a need for offering for sin. So Christ is the once and for all offering for sin because God has, in Christ, promised to never remember our lawless deeds again. All right. So that whole sacrificial um, schema that was, oh well, in the Old Testament for sure, and is really what we would suggest is the natural religion of man, um, Jesus has actually brought to an end. And there is now uh, no more religion in the sense of our sacrifices to God to make him pleasing, to please, uh, to please him with us. There we go. Because that has been perfected forever for those who are being sanctified. Also God's work in us, as we talked about yesterday in Bible study. Uh, by the way, uh, let's check in with those in the chat. We've got Karen, Chris, uh, mom's there, Vicky's there, Gus and Eileen, Michael and Lori. Good to have you checking in and to be watching live. Um, I, I saw... <laughs> silently uh, resumed live streaming yesterday of the service. Um, I did this actually for selfish reasons. Uh, one, I think if someone, if, if people have, have the habit um, who could be in divine service and yet have um, omitted themselves from that, I think maybe now they, um, you know, maybe have broken that habit and either they've resumed attendance or um, they're not depending upon the live stream to take the place of the public assembly. So that's one. Uh, two, uh, I do think that uh, there are a fair number of you, some of you are here in the chat even, that are truly homebound or um, don't live in the area and that would benefit from the live stream. And you're not doing using it um, to absent yourself from divine service, but rather um, either as a supplement or a compliment. Um, so it'll be available for you again now. And then the, the third reason is actually, it saves me a lot of work. <laughs> so um, I said it was selfish. That was probably the first reason uh, that got me thinking about it again is that uh, by streaming the whole thing, if I can't get to it right away on Sunday, it's already available immediately after the service. Um, and then later I can split it into multiple videos, um, actually pretty easily remotely wherever I am. I don't have to have access to high-speed internet to do that, or the highest-speed internet to do it efficiently. So uh, 
it offers some advantages for me as far as workflow goes. So um, yeah, so live streaming available. Again, don't absent yourself from service if at all possible, um, but it is there for you, for those of you who need it. All right. Yeah, Lori says, I am long distance and I supplement. That's exactly right. Um, so some of you, um, I think, use it in a God-pleasing way. Um, I'm just trying to discourage those um, who could be in attendance. Um, and of course, you can supplement by going back and re-watching or re-listening um, because there's um, hopefully actually a, a, quite a density of preaching and teaching and hymnody uh, from start to finish over those few hours that can really um, maybe uh, benefit from a second listen. All right. And then um, continuation from Numbers, Numbers chapter 9, beginning in verse 15. Now, on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle, like the appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, children of Israel would journey. And in place, in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was, when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was, when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. And they kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. All right. Quite a bit here actually to discuss. You might not think so, but uh, I think you'll find it insightful. Of course, when they set up the tabernacle, the cloud covered it. We've already heard a reference to that earlier in Leviticus and whatnot. Um, but here we have a note. What did the cloud look like in the evening? Yeah, it had the appearance of fire. And uh, during the day, of course, it looked like a cloud. What happened when the cloud lifted up from the tabernacle? All right, that's their cue. The children of Israel then would journey. All right. And uh, how did the Israelites then know where to camp? Mm-hmm. The cloud's movement showed them, right? So when it moved, they followed. When it stopped, they set up the camp. Um, according to verse 18, what was connected to the cloud lifting? Yeah, it's not just uh, indicating the journey, but also quite specifically, it uh, remained then in the presence of the tab- uh, it, yeah, in the presence of the tabernacle. So it indicated both the location of where to camp, but also where the tabernacle was. And the Israelites then would move whenever the cloud moved. Uh, question though, hmm. did they set out because of faith? Or because of obedience. I can think of this yes, with regards to yesterday's uh, sermon talking about things like the Sabbath day. Do we keep the Sabbath day out of obedience or do we keep it out of faith or for the sake of faith? Right. Yes. Out of faith. Obedience, as we talked about in Bible study um, briefly, um, although I gave you a longer exposition on this on the handout, um, the new obedience is a fruit of faith. Right. So obedience is a fruit of faith according to the scriptures. Right? And I gave you um, some of the arguments of that, showed you how that was being given to us in Ezekiel 36, but you can also get it from uh, Augsburg Confession 2 and 4, 
apology for um and formula concord epitome and solid declaration i can't remember which article uh, new obedience is it nine maybe all right so to keep or to obey god's word um first requires faith um, you heard this in the sermon as well that the hearts of man um, that that the law um, cannot restrain or correct sinful man mm. and you know that's a hard thing to hear i said i even said in the sermon you're going to have to think about that for the rest of the day. We think that uh, that the old Adam can be reformed or corrected, uh, whereas the Scripture confesses directly, Romans 6, you learn this in your catechism, um, that the old Adam has to drown and die, cannot be reformed or corrected. Right. So we think more and better laws are actually the solution because we don't actually think we need to die. All right. <laughs> uh, but here he puts to death the old Adam, and that and creates in us a new and clean heart, as we talked about, Psalm 51, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26, gives us his spirit into that new clean uh, heart of flesh so that um, that obedience is given to us as a gift, right? And comes out of faith then. So they kept or obeyed the Lord's word because they believed it. Simple as that. All right. Um, of course, now I said there's maybe a little bit more that we could discuss here, and I think it has to do with clouds or this cloud and the clouds referred to in the New Testament, right? And I think in particular, you can see this in... Um, in Luke and Luke volume two, also known as the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. All right. I closed my Bible software, so give it a moment to reopen here. I have so many resources, apparently it takes a while to open. All right. Even with a fancy pants computer here. Luke nine, uh, Mount of Transfiguration would be one example. So while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. Right, you don't go into the cloud. Not even the high priest could do that. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, "This is my beloved son. Hear him." When the voice had ceased, they found Jesus was found alone, but they kept silent and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. I think in uh, Matthew it says that uh, they didn't tell anyone until after he rose from the dead. Right, and then you hear it referred to by Peter in his second epistle. So there's the cloud. Who is in the cloud? Jesus. Um, also, what about Jesus' face? It shines like fire, right? Like the sun. Hmm. So we have a pill- we have cloud and fire indicating Jesus being the Son of God and his presence with his people. Hmm. That might help a little bit. Uh, how about uh, Luke 21? All right. Jesus uh, foretells. Uh, then, we'll hear this in a few weeks at the end of the church year. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's fire again, brightness. Now, when these things begin to happen, lift up, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So he'll come in the way that he departed, which is exactly what the angel said uh, when he ascended into heaven. They watched, he was taken up and the cloud received them out of the sight. And then uh, two men stood by them in white apparel who said, uh, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Right. So we have him. There's uh, Vicky, I think, is in the chat. Her favorite hymn, right? Lo, he comes with clouds descending. <laughs> there it is. Uh, once for sinners slain. Thousand, thousand. Um, I can't remember the next part. Well, there you go. So, the glory of God is present in Jesus. He is our tabernacle. I remember he fulfills all of these um, types and shadows from copies or shadows in the Old Testament, including um, all the tabernacle um, details, but here also the pillar of cloud and fire. So then, as one of the children recognized, who is leading 
who is leading the people of God into the promised land? I always, I always drill them and say more specific when they just say God. And this time I didn't even have to drill it. He said, Jesus, like, you're absolutely right. Angel of, angel of the Lord who leads the Lord's armies, Jesus. Pillar of cloud and fire, glory of God revealed amongst men, Jesus, right? Now here, of course, before his incarnation, but that's why the Mount of Transfiguration is so helpful, right? Because it reveals him to be the one who is leading Israel. Um, and in Luke then, it also said, I didn't read this to you, but this is also a helpful note. Um, and another connection to the cloud of fire. Um, he is discussing with Moses and Elijah. What is he discussing with them? Luke actually tells us explicitly. As he prayed, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, death, decease. Uh, but in, e in Hebrew, it's Exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. <laughs> so on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's discussing his Exodus, which is into death, and then through death into life. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, on uh, Twitch, Temple Snail says, oh, is this an old stream? Uh, well, I mean, we're discussing old things, but uh, nope, broadcasting live. Good. All right, so let's summarize. God gave the Israelites the cloud as a visible sign attached to his word of promise, that he would go with them and lead them into the promised land. The people followed the cloud because they lived by faith in the word of promise. In Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us that he might open heaven for us and bring us into the cloud of his presence. Jesus comes in a cloud that is in a visible mass of water in the air each time water is poured over the head of, of uh, man, woman, or child at the font. He comes there because he has attached his words of promise to the act and has called us to trust in our baptism that he might bring us into the land of heaven. As the first cloud was also a pillar of fire, so he has attached the fire of his Holy Spirit to baptism that we might be all purified or that we might be purified of all unrighteousness. Daily we return to our baptism, that the old Adam would be drowned and die, and that the new man Christ would live in us according to the word of promise. All right. So we have, uh, we have Pentecost also in view there with uh, water. I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I like it. Water and fire at Pentecost, cloud and fire. Yeah, and so Temple Snell says, oh, I see what RestreamBot is doing now. Yes, um, that's so no matter what platform you're on, well, not Matt, but you get to see the chats from the other platforms um, synchronized across the platforms. That's what RestreamBot does. So hopefully that's helpful for you. Uh, no matter what platform you're watching on, then hopefully you get to see the chat. Speaking of evening and morning in the cloud, um, let's sing our hymn. Father, home. 
Love the Gerhardt hymns, um, so bold in their confession, but also uh, tender um, in the acknowledgement of, well, our emotional response to the great, uh, great goodness of God. He uh, combines the two uh, very delightfully, um, and of course, of course, he has a reference here to uh, uh, to preserving us from danger, leading us um, to to uh, the the land, right? Yep, and also the the um, what else do we have? Oh, we have the temple here with the throne. With sweet incense arising? Yeah, all of it. Beautiful. Okay, um, today, no commemoration. Today is, of course, the anniversary of the first Lutheran Hour broadcast, but uh, it's not a holiday of the church, so let us continue with prayer. Lord, we implore you, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's see. Today we pray in Thanksgiving with Stephen, who celebrates his birthday, with Gus, who celebrates his baptism. Pray for the households of our church, especially that of Jeremy, Terry, Jerry and Marla, Dennis, Brian and his family, and Eric. It's Brian and Teresa. I don't know why she's not in there. Okay. Uh, we give thanks to God for the gift of healing for Marcy and for our new communicant members, Allie and Teresa, who have completed their catechesis um, towards confirmation and were received yesterday. Pray for all of our youth catechumens, Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Dennis, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, Ron, and Doug, Bev, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Jim, Pat, Wendell. Darlene, and Mr. President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of the Federitz families. And we continue to pray 
for the family and friends of Kelsey who grieve her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Before we continue, um, question is, how many years ago was the first Lutheran Hour broadcast? 1930. 1930. So what does that put us at? 93 years. Something else, right? Good. Of course, now it's online. <laughs> Let's continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That is our congregation of prayer for today, uh, Monday, October 2nd, 2023. It's good to have you with us here um, to pray each day. And uh, uh, how else are we to remain on the path, to remain uh, with Christ uh, apart from hearing his word and considering it together? So, um, I look forward uh, to joining you each morning. I'm, I hope you do too. And uh, I do encourage you always to give me feedback, to push back. If you think uh, I'm speaking uh, contrary to God's word or if I fail to indicate where it's a personal opinion and not uh, you know, something more, um, you know, do push back. I think that's helpful. Um, I try not to take it personally and uh, just recognize that uh, those challenges are actually um, opportunity for iron to sharpen iron, to quote, to quote the apostle. So, uh, I think that's it for today. So uh, you can go check out yesterday's various what, preaching and teaching. It's all available on the streaming platforms. Um, and otherwise, I uh, hope to see you again tomorrow, 9 a.m., bright and early. See you then. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.